From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. Can I just host uh, my own little private therapy session with you for a second? I am a very bad delegator. Like I'm a really bad delegator. I mean, not in every circumstance, you know, when there's a structured team and there are things that each team member specializes in, like let's say the staff of Entrepreneur Magazine, everybody has a distinct role. Everybody knows what they're doing. It's very easy to just distribute things where they belong. But then there's all this other stuff that I do and it lives in 500 unread emails and it lives in my massive to-do list. And as a result, things just, they don't get done as well as they should. I will just be straight up honest with you. People ask me to do something and it will take three weeks for me to get to it. And this is no way to be. Like, I need to fix this. I need to figure out how to delegate. And part of the problem is that even though I have some resources available to me, I have, for example, an assistant, I don't always know how to use them. Sometimes I'll think, oh, I, I guess I could send this to send this to that person, but are they going to know how to do it? Do I have the time to teach them? I, ah, whatever, I'll just do it myself. Anyway, I know that this is, a, this is a very bad way to think. It's a very bad way to think, but I don't really have a better way, or at least I didn't until I met Chris and I learned about his framework, which he calls Do It, Document It, Delegate It. I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual. And Trainual is... Trainual is a business playbook software. It's a tool where companies and people write down who they are, how they do things, and uh, all the information about their business. Oh, and I see what you've done here because you called Trainual a business playbook and your book is called The Business Playbook. You're really writing that language. You got it. (laughs) And we trademarked it. (laughs) I see that. As did you trademark the framework that we are going to discuss, do it, document, delegate it, R with a circle. Yes, registered, fancy. I wonder if Chris filed all that paperwork himself or if he delegated it. I'm going to guess he delegated it. Anyway, Chris is also the host of a podcast called Organize Chaos that I have been on. Anyway, I really like his framework because it is simple and it really helps think through what the process is to go from I am familiar with doing something to someone else should do this. And uh, someone else really, really needs to take over some of the things that I'm doing. And that is why I wanted to talk to Chris. And it's why I want you to hear his advice. It is time to get things off of our plate. It is time to delegate. It is time to finally have the time to spend time to do the things that deserve our time. Boom. Let's do it. That's what's coming up after the break. Whether you need digital tools so you can bank on the go, or you need a one-on-one with an experienced business banker, with PNC Bank, you got it. PNC's business banking team is built entirely around the way you like to do business. Innovative mobile tools that let you manage your cash flow, monitor your payments, and more around the clock 
give you the flexibility that every business owner needs. And PNC combines those digital tools with a team of business bankers who are ready to sit down and talk about the unique needs of your business and help you develop personalized strategies to move your business forward. Learn how PNC Bank can make a difference for you and your business at pnc.com slash bank your way. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. All right, we're back talking to Chris Ronzio about how to delegate in his framework, do it, document it, delegate it. But before we get to understanding the framework, let's understand the problem. Why are we so bad at delegation? That's what I asked Chris. Take me to the problem before we start to talk about the solution. As you see entrepreneurs struggle with delegation, what are you seeing them screw up over and over again? Yeah, a couple of things. So the first part of the problem is that most people get into business because they want to do things their way and they know how they want it done and they're really good at what they do. And so they start their company and they're making the product or they're delivering the service and they have total ownership over the entire business. And so then as the business starts to grow and there's more demand for what you do, you layer on all these responsibilities and you start doing more and more and more and your capacity is overflowing. And so at some point in the company, you've got to add other people. You've got to rely on other people. And most people just aren't that good at that. You know, they want to hold on to the control. And if you can't let it go and you can't delegate effectively, then your company can break. So I, I think I got really good at this from my first business, which was like the most inefficient possible business. I had a video production company back when you had VHS tapes. And so we would record these events. I was a camera operator recording these events. And then I would go home after the event and have to ingest that tape into my computer at one time speed. So an eight-hour event would take eight hours to put in the computer. I'd have to edit the whole thing and then put it out of the computer at one time speed. And then I would set reminders all night to wake up every two hours to switch out the VCRs for blank copies to make duplicates of this thing. And then I, the next day, I'd be putting stamps and handwriting labels and driving to the post office. And I was doing everything in the business to just get these videos to the customers that bought them. And after experiencing that myself, I thought, I got I to gotta learn to get some help. And so it's been a, a multi-decade journey. And uh, we can break it down here. So you've got this framework, do it, document it, delegate it. But I wonder if there's a, there's a, a part before that, or maybe you place this part after that, which is, you know, when you say, I've got to get some help, you've got to find people who you can trust who you feel like are able to pick up on the thing that you have for so long done yourself so much so that you've lost any perspective on whether or not anyone else can do it. How should entrepreneurs start to think about who they bring on to help them? Yeah, so the the who is a staged approach. So who you can get to help you with something, it starts with nobody. It starts with no one. It starts with not doing the thing anymore. You can delegate to the trash and just stop doing that <laughs> thing. And I think a lot of people forget that and they just think, I have to do all this stuff, everything that's on my plate. So the first thing is you could focus and do fewer things. So that's important to remember. The next thing is you can delegate to technology. You know, there's so many good tools out there that you can automate certain things and 
for, you know, $50 a month or $100 a month, you get some tech that just automatically does the thing that used to take you a few hours. And so delegate there whenever you can. And then it starts to get into to people and labor. And so the first thing I ever did was I started delegating to a virtual assistant service that was a non-dedicated service. And so that means it was like this big pool of labor and you'd put in a request and you never know who's going to pick up that request and help you, but they could do really simple things. And they could do things like sending birthday cards to people when my calendar sends that automatic reminder to them. You know, it's just something now I don't even have to think about. Or they can book me a haircut, you know, when when every month when I, I don't want to have to remember that. So you can use those non-dedicated services. Have you ever used things like that? So I skipped that part and I went straight to just having a single dedicated assistant. But this does not have to become a counseling session for me and my failures <laughs> to delegate. But for what it's worth, maybe you'll have something to say here. I have a somewhat complicated work life in that I have two sides of it. There's entrepreneur, which uh, where I am a salaried employee that does not provide me an assistant. And then there's all the other stuff that I do that I have an assistant that I pay for myself. And one of the things that I've always struggled with is that entrepreneur work takes up a lot of my time. And I would love to automate or hand some of that stuff off. But it seems crazy to me to hand stuff off for entrepreneur to someone who I am paying myself, not like an entrepreneur person. So I don't really know how to manage that. And then the second thing is that I haven't quite figured out what things really require my time and what things I can actually hand off to an assistant. So there are some things that are very, very clear. Uh, Organize this very, very easy. Or update the website. Can you figure out how to do that? I don't know how to use WordPress very well. You figure it out and then you do it. Great. Easy. But what about I have to email 20 people to ask them to do a thing for my book? Does that have to come from me? I think it does, but maybe it could come from my assistant or maybe there's a way that it could come from my assistant, but it looks like it's coming from me. That I get very lost in. So, okay. I just threw a whole bunch of stuff at you. Before we get to your framework, uh, you want to respond to any of that and help me with my life? Yeah. So what you're talking about is you've got a assistant that sounds like a dedicated assistant. You work with the same person all the time, which is a great step. You know, why I started with the non-dedicated one is you have to get really good at instructions if a different person is going to read those instructions every time. And so it's a great training ground and it's cheap. You can get these services for like $100 a month, $200 a month, and you can all of a sudden knock out a bunch of those little tasks. And so in your case, when you get a dedicated assistant, I think it's actually okay for even salaried employees to spend their own money on a dedicated assistant if it can Mm. turn turbocharge them and it can get you to you know have a better work life balance or it can get you to have a your know, promotion and, and make more of a salary it's like you're a free agent investing in yourself you know to make you a better player and i think that's okay so the dedicated virtual assistant's the next big step because someone can start to learn your routines and behaviors and in that example like sending emails for you you're not going to give the world access to your inbox but if you've got one person you work with maybe you do or maybe they have an email address at your domain and they can do those kind of regular tasks for you. So then you get into having real people that are either full-time contractors or part-time employees or full-time employees. And that's just the spectrum you go through in running a business. But I think you have to start delegating with those low-risk, low-cost kind of delegation. And then you work up from there. Okay, great. So I appreciate that. Also, is this a common thing that you have seen where people spend their own money on an assistant to help them do work that they get paid to do on a salary basis? I've heard of a bunch of people that do that. Yeah. Really? And it's because it's like they think of it as a personal assistant. You know, not not everyone yeah. gets a gets an executive assistant at work, but you can get a personal assistant when you're busy. Right. Right. And it can make you more efficient and then you can go make more money 
with this extra time that you just saved, which is basically my theory of the case, right? I mean, I have entrepreneur, but then I make all this money doing other stuff that is outside of entrepreneur. And the only way that I can do that is that I do entrepreneur efficiently enough that I have this extra bandwidth. Yeah, bleeds together. So, okay, let's talk about do it, delegate it. Do it, document it, delegate it. Do it, document it, delegate it. That's what happens when you have too many alliterations. Okay, talk me through that. So do it, I imagine. You're doing it, you're doing it. This starts with you know how to do it best because you're the one doing it. Yeah. So it's it's a really simple framework because in a business, everything across the business starts with you or someone doing that thing. Someone has that responsibility. And at the beginning, you are experimenting. You might be doing it differently for every customer and you're trying to figure out what works. But then once you start doing the same thing consistently, serving them the same way over and over, you've got a repeatable way that you're doing it. Now, for a lot of us, it starts to feel like just a job. You know, it's like a position in your company that you now have. It's one of those, another hat that you're wearing. And if you want to get rid of it, a lot of people would skip right to delegating it. You just hand it off to someone else and say, hey, you do this. And the part in the middle, the documentation is how you create the instructions for them to do it like you want it done. And so if you can do something consistently and then you can document it clearly, you can delegate it and be confident that it's going to be done right. And so that's the framework. So let's talk about do it, the, the first one. So in a business, you're doing a ton of stuff. And so my recommendation here is you've got to take an inventory of all the things that you do. And so there's a really simple process. You can make a little spreadsheet. I call it a responsibility matrix. So it's fancy, but it's a a little spreadsheet and you go through this exercise. So first think about all the time-based things that you do. What do you do every single day? You have a routine. Do you wake up and check your email? Are you looking for checks to deposit? Do you have a warehouse? Do you have to go turn on the lights? Do you have a meeting, a stand-up? All those daily things. There's weekly things like reports you have to run. There's quarterly things like taxes or or strategic meetings. So you you list all those time-based things. Next, go into your sent email outbox. So this is a very specific kind of hack. But if you look at your regular email, it's probably just filled with stuff. If you look at your sent outbox, you'll see all the stuff you actually engage with, like the emails you sent to people, the responses that you made, the things people are asking of you. And so you pull tons of responsibilities or tasks out of there. Then look at your calendar. Easy one. What appointments did you have? Meetings? What time blocks maybe did you put to work on things? And then look at your task and your communication apps. So all project management systems and task management systems have ways to filter completed tasks. And so you can look at what are all the things I checked off my list. Those four buckets, that's it. Those are all the things that you do in the business. And you have to start by making a list of all that stuff. This is also something everyone in your business could do and should do because... This is the inventory of all the stuff that happens in a company. So it's funny because as I'm hearing you say this, I'm thinking, boy, that is time consuming. It would be great to have an assistant do that. But (laughs) this is before you get there. Okay, why am I doing that? Because that sounds interesting, very logical. I love the idea of going to the sent emails because that is totally where actual action takes place. But what am I supposed to do with this giant pile of quantified tasks that I have just assembled? So this is the raw material for what takes up so much of your time. And if you look at that list, if you start to cluster things, what you'll see is that maybe there's a handful of tasks that are all really administrative. Maybe there's a handful of tasks that are sales related. Maybe there's a handful of tasks that are you working on the website or putting out content. And so you kind of have these different positions that you run in the business. And before you can bring on someone to help you, you need to figure out what position are you giving them? 
What is the collection of stuff that you need to hand off? And so if it's a solo person listening, they should be thinking, what can I take off my plate that creates the least value, that creates the least revenue for the business? How do I get some of that off so that with my own capacity, I can make the business more money? Because that will power whatever else you need to invest in, right? For someone with a bigger company, you might be able to, you're thinking about what what are the next positions or departments that need to grow? You know, who, who do I need on my leadership team that could take over some of this? And so that's the exercise. You're figuring out what do I love doing? What am I good at doing? And what are the things that I'm either not good at or I don't like doing and highlight those things. But that's that's just the assessment of all the stuff that you're doing. And that's really the first part. So that is do it. We have to take a short break. And when we come back, we are going to document it and delegate it. This episode of Problem Solvers is being presented by State Farm. Being a small business owner can be so fulfilling, rewarding, and let's be honest, a little scary from time to time. Doing your own thing and being your own boss is great, but sometimes it can make you feel like you are all alone, especially when things aren't going great. Well, the folks at State Farm want you to know that you are not alone. State Farm has thousands of agents who are small business owners too, so they know what it takes to protect everything you've worked so hard for. State Farm has an assortment of insurance policies for small businesses that can be tailored to your needs. So whether you're a hairstylist, an electrician, or a florist, State Farm agents are ready to help. Learn more and find an agent today at statefarm.com slash small business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back. And now it is on to the next stage of Chris's framework. Next, we're going to go on to document it, which is that you're going to take all of this and you're going to turn it into some kind of user guide that somebody else can digest and follow. And I I will tell you, I have one friend whose name is Vanessa Van Edwards, who does this. She makes these unbelievably long and elaborate guides for everything for her assistant. And I've seen them and they are mind-blowing. And I have always thought, I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to begin (laughs) to do that. And I suppose part of that is because I hadn't thought through gathering the raw material. But another part is just because I literally don't know how you write a guide to yourself. So how do you do that? The first thing I would say is a long guide, you know, these elaborate, beautiful guides. Maybe that's the picture that other people have in their heads too. That's not what I mean by documentation. It can be. If if you're like an artist and you want to document those things... But it can also just be a video of us like talking like we are right now. It can be a little diagram you put together. It can be a slide deck. It can be just an audio recording. It can be a screen recording of you clicking buttons and and doing something on your desktop. So whatever medium or media works is fine. Whatever, Whatever it makes sense to document, you just have to record. You have to capture how you do the thing. And so so that's the first piece is like, it shouldn't be that daunting. You're going to have this mixed collection of all different ways that you write things down. And that's totally fine. But what I believe is that bad performance is really bad instructions. You know, the, the root of bad performance is bad instructions, bad alignment. And so if we can get really clear about how we want something done and communicate it to someone, then they should be able to do it correctly. You know, like think of, think of Ikea instructions. They don't even have words. It's like <laughs> any language, right? But those little stick figures. And, and right, somehow we right. figure it, it out. Somehow we figure out it's true. It's true. I guess I would think some of the things that I do feel like they require a level of nuance. And if I 
were to create a screen recording where I tried to explain how to edit a podcast, for example, I would turn into a terrible rambling mess. So do you have guidelines for how to communicate something in a way in which a different human being will be able to consume and then follow? Yeah. So one thing is to create little micro documentation. So rather than record your hour session recording a podcast, you might just record the little snippets. Kind of like think one of those cooking videos where it's like, I put it in the oven and look, now I took it out of the oven and it's it's done. So I would record micro snippets of what you're doing. Think in terms of steps, first of all. And then if you give someone incomplete instructions, they can ask questions and you fill in the gaps. And so documentation is kind of this, you know, cyclical thing where you you take your first pass out at your draft, they ask questions, you fill in the gaps, and now it's a better version of the documentation. But I think the important thing I want to call out here is it's not just the steps. There's a lot of context around the thing that you're delegating. And so some of that is like, what tools do I need to do this? You know, is this like hardware, software tools, passwords, websites? Are there templates that, you know, file templates that we use to get this done? Another thing is how often do I do this? Is this once a week we're editing podcasts? Is it once a day? Do I do this Fridays at 11 a.m.? So that frequency. There is how long does this take if it's done right? Like, is this a a 10-minute task? Is it a two-week kind of project. And then there's how are we measuring it? How do we know if it's done well? What does it well done look like? So you might provide an example of a podcast with some commentary on here's the thing, here are a couple of the things that I cut out from the raw version. So look for this. And then you get to the the steps. So there's a lot of context around the documentation, but any format and just really complete context. And that's that's what leads to good instructions. So that's great. And I, I love that. I'll give you an example of how this went wrong because I missed a couple steps. So I've occasionally asked my assistant to take a transcript and clean it up. I will do an AI. I use this program called Descript. Shout out Descript. It's like the most amazing podcast platform for making podcasts, whatever, anyway. So you throw audio in, it turns it into this AI transcript, and then you can edit and do all this stuff with it. But sometimes I want, sometimes I need to have just a cleaned up version that I can then edit down and run in the magazine or on .com. So I sent him a transcript that was AI, which means that it's a little rough around the edges. And then I also sent him the original audio. And I said, hey, just clean this thing up so that it's not saying nonsense. And it shouldn't take you that long because it doesn't take me that long. And anyway, he got back to me like the next day and he was like, here it is. It took me six hours or something like that. And I was like, six hours. And the reason was because he was following everything to the T. He, I had asked him to clean it up, which meant making sure that the transcript actually reflected every single word that was spoken in the audio. And so he was doing that exactly every time. Whereas I understand that, you know what, sometimes if you mush a couple words together just because it's easier, it's fine. Or, you know, just like <laughs> yeah. somebody said a th- line, you just delete it because it, it was a half a sentence and it didn't matter. And, and I'm just cleaning up as I go in a different way. And so I wasn't clear enough with him on what to do. And I wasn't clear enough about how long this thing should actually take. And as a result, he did it in a way that was not efficient. How could I have done that better? So if you said, when I do this, it takes me 30 minutes or it takes me 60 minutes. Don't spend more than 60 minutes on this. Don't spend six hours. He would have that context going into it. And then if he got to the end of the hour and thought, I'm only a third of the way through this, he's going to come back to you and say, here's what I've been doing after one hour. 
what am I doing wrong? And now you correct that behavior and maybe he finishes in two hours instead of six. And so mm. it's you, by giving that context, you created a, a, a way for him to come back to you for that feedback loop. Got it. Okay. Are we in delegated? Sounds like we're in delegated. Yeah, we're crossing over. And so, so delegating is actually giving someone the responsibility. But what I would clarify here is a lot of people delegate tasks. They're like, here's a list of stuff to go do. And if you give people a list of stuff, then they're going to do that stuff and they're going to come back to you for the next list. And so you'll always be coming up with more tasks and it's burdensome. And so I've heard so many entrepreneurs say, yeah, I hired this person, but it's taking me more time to manage them and give them stuff to do and give them feedback than for me to just do the work. Why don't I just go back mm. to doing the work? And so the distinction here is you've got to delegate responsibilities, ownership of different responsibilities in the business. Because once they take that away from you, now it's their job to continue to refine it and create new best practices and innovate. Because what you're trying to get to is an end result. Your instructions were your way of doing it to get to that result. But if you can give them ownership of that result, they can come up with their own instructions. And so this really is creating all these micro owners of different areas of your business. And once they're in charge of it, once they come up with the best practices, then they're accountable for making sure that this thing is, is done. And so then it becomes just our job to support those people and to you know have consistent check-ins with them, one-on-one check-ins. And then the, the, the fun part, doing spot check kind of reviews. It's sort of like that undercover boss show. Every once in a while, jump back in and say, that thing that you started doing six months ago, let me shadow you. Let me do one with you. Let me see how you're doing it now. Um, it's a great way to stay engaged. And it's a great way to just make sure that it's got not gone too far astray. Can you, as a concluding thought here, describe... And this is a version of what you just did here, but I'd love to maybe even go a little bit higher level or, or describe your own experience or someone who you've seen follow this. What does success look like? What does it mean to be properly delegating such that you're really not stuck in anything that you shouldn't be stuck in? Yeah. So my experience with, with growing my company has gone from a team of one, me, designing the software and product managing and taking customer support tickets to now a team of almost 100 where I'm very just strategically focused. I get to do the, the fun things that I want to do and create content like this. And so I, I think the big shift is when you shift from all the have-to-dos to the want-to-dos. And you don't delegate the things that you love doing and want to do. We choose those things. But when you still feel burdened or like you've got this list pile of stuff that, that you have to do, that's when you're thinking about delegation. And so success, I think, is getting through that list and honing in on the role that you love in the business. Chris, this has been so helpful. I feel like uh, I have a lot to fix in my life now. <laughs> but <laughs> as a concluding thought, if people want to learn more about how to do this, it is documented, so to speak, in the Business Playbook. Tell me a little bit more about the Business Playbook. Yeah. So thebusinessplaybook.com or check it out on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. It is the four areas of your business you would document. So the profile of your company, like your culture and history and values, your people, roles, responsibilities, direct reports, your policies and, and handbook, and then your processes, the how-tos. So all that makes up your playbook and the book shows you how to create that. Amazing. Chris, thanks so much. Thank you, Jason. This is fun. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. 
Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.